What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Okie Podcast. On today's episode, I have such an amazing guest. I'm so happy she made time and we got to do this. My guest for today is Allison Hicks. She's an actor. How are you doing today, Allison? I'm good. Bonjour. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I know we've been kind of planning this for a while, but, you know, time, like I always say, you know, everything happens in good timing. So glad we finally got to uh, come together for this. I'm glad to be here too. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've seen uh, I seen you on Rutherford Falls, and and I thought that was really dope. And you know, and then I started doing my research, and you know, you've you've been around acting for a while, and and uh, I forgot who you who it said you train under, but we'll get into that. But okay. so for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know I kind of I kind of get lost, but for the listeners, can you you know tell where you're from, what growing up was like, and what kind of just led into being in this industry? Sure, Bozojek, Allison Hicks, Nadechnikas. I'm an enrolled member of the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation, and I'm also Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. I am a darling on my Potawatomi side, Fish Clan. And on my um, Choctaw side, I'm a dyer. Um, I grew up in Southern California, going back to um, my respective, you know, places. Um, my great my great grandparents met at Haskell, and then my grandparents met at Haskell. And when my grandparents um, got married, they moved out to Navajo Nation, and they served. Um, the government, IHS and BIE, respectively, um, as liaisons to the Navajo Nation. Um, my mom, after she went to college, she went to ASU, she met my dad, and they went out here to California to live during the BIA relocation era. So that's how I came to be here in Southern California. <laughs> mm. um, so it's it's been quite a journey. I always loved storytelling, and um, my grandfather was a great storyteller. And I love the whole idea of telling a story and, and getting people interested in, in, you know, the plot and the characters and all of that. And I loved um, seeing plays. My parents took me to see plays. We went to see movies. Um, Growing up as um, you know, as a as a girl in Southern California at that time, there weren't a lot of native stuff going on. <laughs> mm. But I always thought, you know, that's I'd love to be on stage. I did a little bit of acting in high school, and then um, in college, I studied dance at UC Irvine, and I did that for a while. And then um, I left college and started working professionally as a dancer and also as a model, and then uh, started acting a little bit. And then I stopped for quite a long time. I just didn't see a place for me at that time in the industry. Just, you know, a lot of closed doors and, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for Native people then. So um, took other paths, did other kinds of work and um, had my boys. And then when they got up to an age where I felt I could start looking around and doing things I, I felt a passion for again. Um, professionally, I got back into acting. I found Native Voices at the Autry, which gave me the opportunity to act on stage again professionally. 
and worked with Native actors, Native playwrights, and Native directors, and it was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience working with those folks there. And then I got introduced to other Native playwrights who then cast me in their plays. I did a play for Mary Catherine Nagel, who's Cherokee. She's a, a playwright and attorney. And I did a play for her in Omaha at the Rose Theater called Return to Niobrara, which was about the Ponca tribe and the first uh, court case that brought forth the idea that Native Americans are actually people, that we mm -hmm. have rights under the law. So uh, and it's been a wonderful thing being part of this I hesitate to call it renaissance, but I think are rising up and having more power in the industry and showcasing our own stories ourselves. And I think it's it's just such a wonderful feeling to be a small part of that. Um, and I'm very grateful that at my age, later in life, I can do this and be, you know, be a part of it. Wow. I, I study acting um, still. I work with Howard Fine Acting Studio here in Los Angeles, and um, I've done improv, I've done other things as well. I'm exploring the idea of writing um, te for television, writing you know screenplays and writing plays as well. So I'm just looking to deepen my mastery of my craft and continue working and continue telling stories that hopefully not just native people but other people which it looks like they are interested in our stories from seeing the success of rutherford falls and reservation dogs that that we can actually take our place and and be part of the conversation yeah that's true that's huge too um growing up for me i i didn't there wasn't enough native representation. I mean, there was, you know, you had your dances with wolves and you had your thunder hearts, but, and then I think maybe the biggest one was, well, like smoke signals. Cause it was kind of, it was all indigenous. It looked like from what it looked like you had Adam beach, you had Thomas, you had Gary farmer. Um, and I mean, you just had all these characters that were all indigenous, but, Mm. from what from what people were saying is like it didn't really get its shine because the internet wasn't really a thing back then you know it was still like movie posters and maybe some radio advertisements but like the internet has helped so much with social media to where it's on twitter instagram facebook tiktok i mean you have all these places you have all these apps that can reach millions and billions of people all around the world Mm -hmm. And just with the click, you can see like what Rutherford Falls is about or what Reservation Dogs is about. And it's it's crazy how much we've like progressed over these years. And I still find myself blown away about how fast all this has came. I mean, I'm 33, but to me, it's fast. And I'm like finding myself catching up with today's youth. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, you're a youth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're doing great um yeah yeah rutherford falls that was such a great experience being on that show because i never in my life thought i'd be on a show my episode was written by taspa chavez who is uh bishop bishop Paiute and Dene, and um have a showrunner sierra ornelas who is Dene and and mexican and um working with Michael Gray Eyes, you know, who is First Nations and just 
having all those people surrounding me, I, I, I felt I was if in a, in a dream, you know, because usually if you're casting something, maybe you're the only native person on the set that day or in the play, right? There might be mm -hmm. two or three other native folks, but to have all those native people in positions of power around you, working with you, it was just such a, a special feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your character. Tell us about your, for the people that haven't seen it, you know, oh, tell okay, us about yeah. your character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I know there's people out there that probably haven't seen it. <laughs> sure. I'm Crystal. I'm, I work in the beach shop at, uh, in Rutherford Falls and I'm in episode four, which is the Terry Thomas episode, which is my favorite episode. It's um, all about Terry's journey and, and story and i'm my scene is at the very end of the episode when um terry comes in to buy beads for his daughter and uh my character is you know just she's talking about you know their mutual friends and you know he's asking her about her husband and she's you know selling him beads for his daughter it's just a it's a great slice of life that i don't think a lot of non-native people would ever see mm -hmm. um and I think what's also fantastic about it is, you know, we're just regular people in contemporary life. We're not, you know, wearing I, my, my hair's not in braids and <laughs> not wearing yeah. it all, you know, um, it's it's just us being normal. So I, it was a fun, fun scene to film. It was really interesting, too, because, um, you know, working with all the different things that we had to do with COVID and, and wearing we filmed it during COVID and we had, you know, of course it's still COVID now, but we, you know, had to be very careful with the protocols and I felt very safe, safety wise on set as well. So it was um, a wonderful experience. Man, I bet, I bet it was. How, how amazing to work on Rutherford Falls and just work with all these like amazing castmates that you had. And you're right. It, it really showed more shed more light on like we're just we're just people like we're just here like we don't have to ride horses all the time or like wear headdresses or shawls or whatever you know like we can we're here you know we didn't die out or anything like some people think we did so i thought that was really cool and then and then reservation dogs added to that yeah just yeah just showed some youth like just trying to make it out yeah I thought that was a fantastic show. I'd love to work on that show. So I'm hoping that I get a chance to audition for that one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, they film just about 40 miles from here mm. in Okmoki. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. I got to be in episode, the last, no, I think it was episode seven. There's a, it was a casino scene, but I was a security guard. I'm like oh. I'm like kind of blurred out, but it's only like 10 seconds long. But yeah. But I was like, I gotta be a part of this. Like, I don't care how, like, I just gotta be a part of this. Like, so yeah, I love watching that show. I mean, there's so many great people I know that got in that show. Um Natalie, Natalie Standing Cloud. I think mm -hmm. you know her. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, she played my daughter in that play I was talking about at the Rose Theater in Omaha in Return to Niobrara. She played my daughter. So. Yeah, I think she talked about that, about that play. But this is before, like, you know, we, me and you, or you and I met. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was just kind of getting to know her. And she came on a podcast and 
she was just giving a rundown on everything she's worked on. So I do remember that play she was talking about. And have you worked with Leah McCormick? I I have not. I'd love okay. to. I know her through social media. She's great. Okay. Yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. You guys should link up or something. Like that'd be really cool to to see y'all act together. Yeah. What do you think about um so you're so stage stage acting and then camera acting. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, acting is acting. You know, you have to know your uh, your character. You have to do your backstory. You have to do your autobiography. You have to know what your objectives are, what your, your character needs, wants, and what they're going to do to get what they want, right? There's uh, some constants for both of them. There's, there's similarities, of course. But with um, camera acting, the camera will pick up on your thoughts. Your camera, the camera, I mean, you don't have to indicate, you don't have to show anything. Um, you know, it's all, you know, what you're thinking, your eyes will reveal what you're thinking. So um, that's my best advice. I think that on the stage, you know, maybe you, you, not to exaggerate, but, you know, you do have to think about projecting when you're on stage and, and things like that. And movement is really important on stage, but um on camera you know they catch every little thought you're thinking really yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> like oh man like give give an example of what well for example for um rutherford falls and and or for a stage play i'm doing um with rutherford falls because of the COVID protocols i couldn't do as much in the place as i might have wanted to um I, that shop i needed to have feel like that shop was my shop that was something where i went every day i worked every day and i knew every inch of it and you know i thought about you know what what the cds were on the stand next to me what what they were you know what you know the cash register and how much money maybe was in it um you know all the things in front of me that, where the beads were hanging all the hanks were were i had to have that kind of sense that I am used to moving around in here. So when I was there on the set, I said, you know, can I have a rag so I could be cleaning the the counter like you would normally when you're working at a shop. So you mm. have to find ways to ground yourself in the environment. So you actually feel that you're really there. Um, same with doing a, a stage play. When I did Return to Niobrara, I had a scene where I had, I was, you know, getting my kids ready for school and I'm running out the door with my purse. And I said, ah, can I ask the proc person to put more things in my purse so I can, when I look at it, you know how you do when you're running out the door, you know, maybe you look through your bag to make sure you have your keys, your wallet, you know, things mm -hmm. like that to ground me in the circumstance of the scene. Um, you know, those are the same things I do in whether I'm on a set uh, for a film or TV show, or if I'm doing a play. Uh, okay. So that that comfort when when the ca the camera can pick up on your discomfort, the camera can pick up on um, you know anything that you're thinking of. That if you're nervous, it can pick up on that. So you have to really ground yourself into not focusing on maybe what you look like or what you know what you're worried about doing, but just focus even on the other actor, and that takes you out of yourself and it makes it more real. So yeah, it's just about really drive, I mean, and these little scenes too, like Rutherford Falls, I, I'm not trying to do any, uh, anything heroic here. I'm 
I'm I'm talking to a friend, I'm talking to a neighbor, I'm talking to a customer um, that I know in the community, and we're we're making you know conversation. So um, sometimes the objectives aren't like oh, I want to kill this person, <laughs> or I want yeah. to persuade them to do something. It's just a natural, you know, human contact. Mm. Yeah, and you bring up a good point about. I think the hardest thing for me is like just forgetting like what I look like. Like, like I don't know. Like, there's sometimes where I'm just like so self conscious about what I look like sometimes, but it's just a a stupid thing in your head. <coughs> Excuse me, but a stupid a stupid thing in your head. Just like before I started this, right? Like, I hated my voice. I hated my voice so much, and I. And it was just like all this stuff adding up to like why I shouldn't start this thing. Like, oh, you know, people were going to think you're dumb or like you're not going to say anything right. And you're going to, I don't know, like you're just, it, you're probably just going to waste people's times that you have on. And, and yeah, your voice is horrible. But it was like, oh, but your voice is great, Russell. It's great. I know. That's, yeah. 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 I had to get used to it though. Like, you know, like that first recording with Riker, I listened to it and I was like, oh God, like, I don't know if I can listen to this whole thing because I just can't get over my, I don't know. It's just like people say like I have a nice voice, but when I hear it, like in my ears, like, it's just like, God, I sound like that. And then, but you know, like with time, you know, I don't care. I, I do not care like about anything anymore. So, but it's just like overcoming, like just the negativity in your head about stuff and easier said than done i guess it takes some time to get over a lot of stuff because like there's people that look great you know but they're still self-conscious about how they look in public and i'm like no you look you look awesome like you look amazing like why you know but i get it you know i used to be like that too yeah yeah it's easy to get into your head yeah Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, when you put yourself out there as a native person, as any kind of person, it's, there's always a risk involved. And, you know, um, you know, that's something I struggled with when I came back into acting. Cause I thought, oh, people are going to think, you know, who is this old lady here, you know, <laughs> coming back into acting, but everybody by and large is very welcoming and very kind. So that all was in my head, you know, that, mm-hmm. that idea that, oh, I shouldn't try um, that was all just in my head. Yeah. And I think it goes with uh, people you surround yourself with. Like you went into that with other actors, you know, and you don't know their story. They don't know yours. You know, you're all just there to try to accomplish this dream that you all want to do. And, you know, it, that's all it, that's all it really is. You know, I've come to, I've come to learn that. I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, it's just the people you're surround yourself with, like surround yourself with people that want to see you succeed and, are so supportive of everything you do and you know if and if you stop doing it they question you like well, why are you stopping like why are you quitting you know like you know and i did that with uh this guy named tyler randall he's the host of skoden and he always says this too he's like you know you, you asked me like why'd you stop <laughs> he just said <laughs> i don't know he's like I, I guess i just felt like i didn't want to do it anymore and, he, and then he said like because of that because you just you just said that like it made me want to start doing it again and i'm like oh wow that's that's cool like yeah that's really cool <laughs> but you know like it's just you know i've come to surround myself with just people that are like that you know that just 
want nothing but the best for you like real like they're really interested in what's best for you like not fake stuff you know i don't know i'm sure you've ran into that too oh yeah (laughs) yeah you do you run into a lot of that fake stuff for sure you know man i know it's out there be careful (laughs) everybody (laughs) yeah (laughs) true true so true you have to find good people to surround yourself with that's for sure do you have a truck do you need accessories then look no further than Vance Truck Accessories. Vance Truck Accessories is owned by the man himself, Chris Vance. Chris has built his business from the ground up and is based in Oklahoma City. Chris makes it a point to push and install American-made products and will work hard to accommodate everyone. Vance Truck Accessories takes pride in supporting local veteran groups, local school groups, and other local businesses. Check out the Vance Truck Accessories Facebook page and check out the website, www.vancetrucks.com for more info and to book your next appointment. And did I mention they do window tint on the weekends? Well, they do. So get on down to Vance Truck Accessories and let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. For real. You were talking about storytelling. What? From your grandpa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What, was, what was one of your favorite stories he told? Oh, my gosh. Um, there were so many. It's Maybe just, a few. Uh, <laughs> well, he would tell the story of... Um, there's a, there was a story on the Navajo Nation about an old baby. It was called uh, where this uh, baby was born in one of the hospitals. And my grandfather was, um, you know, he he helped with uh, the Fort Defiance Hospital and the Tuba City Hospital there on the Navajo Nation. And he said one time he was told a story about uh, this woman went into labor, this Navajo woman, and she gave birth to a baby. And it was an old man, but it was a baby. And the baby said that if you don't change your ways, if we don't go back to the traditional life ways of our nation, if we don't do that, then um, we as a people will not survive. And then the baby passed and, you know, the people, you know, understood that to be a, a sign, you know, from creator to, you know, go back to those old ways. Oh, that's intense. So, that was intense. And that was... I mean, I think there was a lot of uranium mining back uh, on the Navajo Nation, and when he, and, and that was during the time he was there. He was there for 38 years from the, like, I want to say the mid-30s to the mid-70s. So um, that was happening there. Um, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of taking of resources from the nation at that time. Um, and then they would leave the waste on the Navajo Nation and the, those people were then, uh, they would have cancers and other illnesses resulting from that. Um, and a lot, a lot of people were, were concerned with, you know, just what was happening, the environment with the environment on, on the Navajo Nation. And it's, it's a problem for all of our tribal nations, I think. We're all dealing with, um, the resources being mined or taken from our lands, the dams, you know, making it so the Yurok can't um, fish, they have the salmon runs and, and how it changes our life ways in so many ways. So um, that was one of the stories he would tell. But I mean, he just had a way of telling the simplest things, you know, and just making them funny, making them, mm. you know, 
he's just great at telling stories. So yeah, that, that was exciting for me. And my, I have a, another story about my mom and my aunt growing up on the Navajo Nation. When they were little girls, they would go down to the river. Um, they lived in Window Rock and they would go down there and to one of the creeks or whatever and um, movie stars and, and films from back then, the Westerns, they would film there. And one day they saw on a raft going down Errol Flynn, the movie star. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. Oh, no. you got to yeah. see him. He's, he's an old time movie star. Anyway, mm-hmm. he had a cigarette and he's leaning around, you know, leaning over to them. And he says, uh, little girl, do you have a light? going downstream but uh, yeah they would run into all of that they would be extras too on these westerns because they all i mean back then the easiest way to get around the navajo reservation was by horseback you know so everybody had horses and so they would get to go to these extras call for these westerns and so my mom and my aunt and my uncle would get on the horses and go and one time the director said, or whoever was handling the extras said, hey, for any of you Indians that will fall off their horse when they hear a shot, you get five extra dollars. So they all went, okay. So um, the shot runs, rings out and all the Indians fall off their horses at the same time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that one shot, one shot got them all. <laughs> They weren't going to miss those five dollars. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did it. Where's our five at? <laughs> oh, my God. I know, man. I love these old like stories like that, man. It's like just I used to sit back and listen to my aunts and uncles when they'd come over to our house and just sit on the floor and like listen to them. Most of them would be scary. They tell these scary stories. But, you know, you it's like. You know, you're a little kid, so it's like magic. Like you're watching these people like tell something that's like true. You know, as a kid, you don't know if it's true or not. You just like, oh God, like I don't want I don't want this monster to come find me or something, you know. So I mean there's a lot of magic that comes with those stories. And I'm trying to think if I have any or if I remember any. I just remember like some scary stories. I don't know if I should tell them they're dark here. <laughs> Wasn't that great in Res Dogs, though, how they brought those stories in, Dear Woman, you mm-hmm. know, and that was just, that was a, that was a great episode, talk, you know. Did you know what that was, Dear Woman? I did. I'd heard of that, okay. yeah. Because a lot of, some tribes, well, like, I I did a roundtable with a few other tribe tribal uh, podcasters, and a few of them didn't know what Dear Woman was. You know, they're like, oh, we don't have that here. I was like, oh, it must be nice, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it was, well, I yeah. Did a play, I did a play in Alaska, and it was called Devilfish, and it was by an Alaska native playwright. She's Clinkett, um, and Denina, her name is um, Vera Starbird. And it was another kind of story about that, about a devilfish um, monster. And, you know, it was basically a lot of these stories, like Dear Woman, et cetera, are to teach children boundaries, right, and safety. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go out there into the middle of the forest. Yeah. <laughs> don't, go, <laughs> don't go over that cliff. Don't go into the ocean without us, you know, kind of stories. But 
um, yeah, I think that that concept is probably pretty much all over. All tribal nations have some form of of a monster and it's meant to be a cautionary tale. At least that's what I hope. So I hope those people things aren't real. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> What's devilfish? What's that? Uh, devilfish was an octopus kind of creature. It was a huge octopus and it would pull you, it would come out of the ocean and it would, um, it could take entire um, villages out. And um, this, the, the play I did, this one Alaska native girl, she was, um, she disobeyed her mother and she, she didn't want to do the work she was supposed to do. And she called on the devil fish to, you know, Hey, you know, um, I don't believe in you. And I, you know, cause the mom's like, you know, you better do your work or, or the, you know, devil fish will come. And she said, I don't care, you know, devil fish come and get me. And the devil fish came and killed everyone in her village, but left her alive. Oh yeah. Dang. And then the I'm... rest of the play was her journey of learning and making amends and doing the work to become a, a good member of the community again. Wow. That's, uh, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of devilfish. So, but see, like that's, what'd you say? Alaska, Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. Yeah. I had Shauna Echohawk on, but we didn't talk about legends or anything like that, but that's pretty scary. A giant octopus yeah, monster just taking out the whole town. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I guess I guess I'll I guess I'll stick with the woman then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love that episode though because yeah, you're right. Like, it was interesting to see how they brought that lore in to that series. Like, and I loved uh, how it was Big's character because. Even in the first episode, he's watching what JFK assassinations or something right, like right. conspiracy stuff. And I don't know, like I didn't think too much into it, like to think he was like a big conspiracy guy or something. But then he showed up at those kids' house and he was like, you know, Bigfoot activity and blah, blah, blah. And Dear Woman might be around. And I was like, oh, damn, this guy's like really into it. And and it showed like why, like he had an encounter with Dear Woman. And mm -hmm. and it was just like, and then they said the LPs. I'm not gonna say that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah I would mean we were talking about how I wish like they would do a spinoff with Big, like right. where where he goes off. Maybe he has a partner. Maybe he's just by himself. Like he goes off and he tries to find these like like deer woman or bigfoot or something like he tries to encounter them or find out what they are like an x-files type of thing that would be really cool i mean and that's another thing i really loved the kids and their story about you know in reservation dogs but i found myself really enjoying the older characters like big like gary farmer's character mm. like um um willie jack's dad you know and bear's mom i just I really enjoyed seeing them and, and hearing and seeing those stories. Yeah. And West duty. <laughs> oh my gosh. And West duty and the string theory. That was just perfect. You know, oh, I know. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah what do you say he had, a, he had that book or something somebody he's yeah. like somebody stole it and then they go to that junkyard and that dude has that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh and then big and cheese look at each other like okay he was he was telling <laughs> Yeah, he's telling the truth. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it because, I mean, they, they weren't stereotypes. Again, like Brotherford Falls, they were real people. You know, nobody was, you know, running around with, you know, burning sage everywhere. And, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they did have meat pies, though. <laughs> they did have meat pies. That did make me hungry when I saw that part. <laughs> it may have started some con- controversy. For oh, them really? being three dollars. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember after the episode, everybody was on Facebook saying, now everybody needs to uh like set their prices down to three dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was pretty low. <laughs> Man, that'd be have you ever made your way around here, like to Oklahoma? Yep. Um, I used to visit my, um, my grandmother. She lived in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. We'd go back mm. to her place a lot in um, Oklahoma City. Actually, I did do a short play festival. Uh, no, it was a long play festival. Those were full-length plays <laughs> in <laughs> Oklahoma City a couple of years ago mm. with some Native people. That was fun. Yeah, so I've been in Oklahoma a bit, Tulsa, been to Tulsa, but I haven't been in a while. I really want to come back, and, and I hear that there's so much going on in Tahlequah and, and Tulsa and, and Okmulgee, so, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, Tahlequah is, like, huge now. I remember growing up, it was just nothing really there, but when we moved back, there's, golly, there's everything there now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll be surprised. Like? What was it like when you, uh, did you see Killers of the Flower Moon filming? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, man, that was, I was wanting to apply for that, but I just had so much other stuff going on. And and then, like, whenever I'd see stuff, like, it was already, like, two days past. Like, I hate Facebook, man. Like, mm. I don't know why, like, it doesn't give out recent stories for, like, what, Thing, what things are going on and and i'm like man like i could have done this like i was free that day but uh, from what i from what i hear like there's so many people that got the opportunity to be extras and have like scenes like just there's there's some, like a few people that have like over 100 scenes as an extra as wow. background yeah and and like it was cool because you know i never met anybody from the set but we whenever reservation dogs came out they would they would show each episode every week on mondays at circle cinema and so like we would all go and then we met up with uh the killers of fire moon like background actors and like they were all there and then like we all just became like really good friends and so they're just talking about like the experiences they've had so far like that was over the summer and then they're just talking about like man it's it's crazy like we get to see leo and De Niro and wow. and we get to work alongside them and like it's just like a big community and like a little family that's grown and and then like and then they tr- have you been to fairfax ever Mm-mm, no so fairfax is like a, a really small town and i guess they transformed it to look like the old days like they brought in all this dirt and rocks 
to fill their main street. That's basically what it is. It's like just one main street from in in a town to out of town. But they filled that entire street with with uh, dirt and rocks, you know, to give it that old timey feel. And they transformed their buildings to look like back in the day. And so that was they were talking about that. And they're like, man, that's a lot of work because they brought in like all this dirt. And they're like, they just made it look like the old like the old days. And then everybody had to wear the old clothes and and then they had these uh like cars. They're like old old school cars mm. from back in the day, but they're like like if you have to be like five foot five and no, like either like five foot to like maybe five ten to fit in these cars. Wow. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I'm like six two, six three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because people gonna, were shorter. Yeah. 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 Well, I was gonna do that. And then ever said that, I was like, man, I was like, never mind. Because <laughs> they were gonna train you to drive these cars, like learn how to drive these cars and and you get paid for training and then film and then like I guess like film like drive around Leo and them, but wow. I was like, damn it, I just missed my opportunity. So <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like fun. You should have came down or I know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you apply for anything? I did not. Um, actually, terrible story. I um, was looking, and you, that's why you always have to look through your junk mail. I looked through my junk mail, and it was about six months after the auditions. I had gotten a request for an audition for that. And I was, oh. and, yeah, it landed in my junk mail, and I didn't even audition. <laughs> but, you know, What's meant to be is meant to be, I guess. And lesson True. learned. I always look in my junk mail because you never know. It was from a, the same casting director, but it was from a different um, assistant. So she had sent it to me. And so it didn't hit my normal primary email account. So. Man, yeah. I hate that. I've had that too. I've had like some important, like somebody important hit me up and it went to my junk mail. And I didn't read it till like a month later. And I was like, oh my gosh, why did this go to my junk mail? Yep. Like of all of all the emails, I get stupid emails on my primary all the time. Right, right. It's like an important <laughs> one like this, it goes to my junk mail. I know. So I check mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, I hate yeah. that. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, it'll, there'll be more. There'll uh, be more. There's a lot happening. Yeah, I'm eager to see this movie. Like, I wonder how it's going to go about, I guess. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. Um, I I know Kara Jade Myers, who played one of the sisters in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure she's fantastic. And I know um, Lily Gladstone. I, mm -hmm. I worked with her not in the same um, play, but we were doing a short play festival at Native Voices. I met her there and uh, she's lovely and I'm sure she's marvelous in it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you know uh, Janae Don? I think I don't know her personally. I know of her and I also know um, there's Janae Don and there's the other, there's the fourth one. Um, she's First Nations actress. Forget her name. Um, but yeah, I know of them and, you know, I see them there, you know, we're friends on Facebook or, or so, so. 
yeah <clears throat> yeah i've seen where they got casted and i was like oh man that's that's awesome and yeah. they came down here and chilled out in oklahoma <laughs> yep yeah yeah hot oklahoma over the summer <laughs> i can imagine i don't know how they did it wearing all those clothes right right yeah yeah it was hot this summer too and and they were that was probably the only thing they kind of said was bad because they had to be there from like six or seven a.m to like maybe 11 at night Mm -hmm. or maybe 7 p.m and it was hot oh my god yeah i'd be melting i would be too (laughs) and then you got the ticks (laughs) oh god yeah you got ticks yeah you got all this these oh you got these you got these elements that just (laughs) don't want you outside (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well yeah like that'll be yeah there'll be other stuff coming up like there's there's this i i don't know would you say this is like the start maybe i think it's a start because i mean reservation dogs already has a second season so does rutherford falls um I think that you're going to see um, seasons three and four for both series. That's my prediction. They're, the writers for both shows are now starting to get their own deals and mm. and they're starting to, to develop shows. Um, just I think there's you're going to see a lot more happening in the TV realm, I think, more than film, but I'm not sure. Um, Right now we're in a great pause, I think, with COVID. There's, I actually was cast in a TV show that was still supposed to start filming. We were supposed to film um, January 4th, but my date got pushed back to February, mid-February. So, um, and it's a TV show. It's an Apple Network show. It's a new show starring um, Patricia Arquette. So I'll be in that oh, one. Wow. So I got a small part in that. I'm excited about it. And what's neat about it is it's not a native storyline. Just I'm a native person that just is in the, the show. So that's a kind of cool thing. Um, but that's the next step, right? I mean, I know you had as a guest Robert Mesa, who mm-hmm. I've also worked with at Native Voices. And what's great about what he's doing with Grey's Anatomy is he's on a, a, a just a show that doesn't have a native theme to it, right? He's mm-hmm. another character who just so happens to be native. So that's... That's the next step in or not only creating our own content and having our own shows, but also infiltrating all the other shows. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was, I went to school with him. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. I went to IIO with him and that's how we knew each other, oh. but I hadn't talked to him in a long time, you know, and when I seen he was on Grey's Night, well, you know, I've, I've checked out some of his past work. I still need to check out Frontiersman and but i want i really want to check that one out but yeah like when he got the Grey's anatomy i was like oh man like this is cool like this is super dope and then they wanted him back you know yeah. like asking for him back and it was like wow like you know this is uh that was before rutherford falls correct yes yes uh, yeah that was way before then then all this other stuff started happening but i was telling him man i was like it like you know, you being a doctor is just like, like to me, it's like, and I'm sure to everyone else, but like, it's really amazing how it shows that we can be these characters, 
Like mm-hmm. we can be a doctor, we can be whatever. You know, we don't have to just rely on these native like characters, you know, like these warriors that people see back in the day. I mean, like we're warriors all the time, but you know, mm-hmm. it's nice to not have to be pushed into those roles. You know, we can just be everyday people. And yep. being a doctor, man, like I was like, that's high up there because like doctors, you know, they're, they're always in high regard. So just yeah. to see him and he was like, man, I know he's like, and I'm loving every minute because, you know, it's just showing people that we can do whatever we can be, whatever, do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, and it's not a new thing. I mean, my uncle was a, a doctor. He was, um, in fact, he one of his first jobs through IHS was being a doctor at the Tuba City Hospital on the Navajo mm-hmm. Nation. And this is back in the 60s and early 70s. So, I mean, we've always had physicians, native physicians, native lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. We have tribal leaders. We have really educated folks that are lobbyists, that are scientists. Um, we've got somebody at NASA, right? At JPL, you know, Aaron mm-hmm. Yazzie. So you've got natives in all these areas but most by and large in media were never represented that way we have native professors you know we we just almost anything you could think of we've got some representation but we're always in those parts where you know oh she's you know um you know single mom you know on welfare or you know something something that's you know not professional and I mm-hmm. think it's nice to show that diversity that we can be in these contemporary roles. We can be doctors, attorneys, leaders. And, and so other people can see that. We see it. You know, I'm sure you see that on your nation, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, you know, growing up, like, yeah, you, we were just regular people, you know? And that's what I hate about, like, you know, it's taken this long to let non-natives see, like, oh, so, you know, they don't live in teepees or, Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're still here, you know, Oh, they don't live in like the wild West or whatever, you know, because I've like when I, even when it's a, we, even when I went to college and stuff, like we'd meet like different people when, whenever we travel and I don't know if they're being stupid or funny or real. I don't know, but they would legit say like, like you guys live in houses. Like, yeah, you don't live in like the teepees or wigwams or some, something like that. But, and and it, it just always, like, bugged me that, you know, it was, like, do people really not know, like, we're just out here living? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we're out here getting educated. We are doctors. We are lawyers, uh, rappers. Right. Uh, we do anything. We're, we're out here just living life. Like, but I don't know, you know, it, but I guess it just took media to do that. And yeah. that, that's where media comes back in is, like. You know, you media like social media just can reach anybody in and around the world with one click or one share. And then people will start to realize like, oh, they mean business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sterling is just Sterling Harjo has just done so much for Native people, promoting us, putting us in those, you know, bringing us up like that. Um, for him to have reached that stature is just so fantastic. It's thrilling to watch. And and what you're doing is really important to you, you know, showcasing Native people and putting that out there on social media and, 
like you said, it's reaching people you probably never even imagined would see, you know, or hear your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. They're seeing it and hearing it. So it's really good work that you're doing. Yeah. I just checked the, like the numbers the other day and there was like, like it's in Ireland now. It's like yeah. hitting Japan and Australia. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, because I just stopped looking at that analytic thing. I was like, like, cause I was obsessed with it. Like when I first started, I'd look at it like every day mm. and then like, just be like, oh man, I need to, what do I need to do? But I just stopped caring and I would just have people on and we just talk, like have a good time and just talk about whatever. And, but I checked it the other day and it was like all these other places, like out of, out of country. And like, and I was like, oh my God, like, this is really cool. You know, like, but you know, I don't, I'm not trying to like get it in my head. Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. You know, I love bringing people on. I love just talking have a conversation and just hearing like how you got into everything you do and your experiences with, you know, everything that is coming your way, you know, and it's, it's awesome to hear. I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that, that I'm getting these opportunities and, um, you know, I don't have any grand expectations, but I just want to keep working in the industry and learning from people and, hopefully, you know, sharing some of my experiences and, you know, my kids are really excited, you know, my boys, they're 21 and 23. And, you know, they're always saying, mom, you know, we're so proud that what you're doing and that you're following your passion and that, you know, you're doing what you're doing. They were so excited to see Rutherford Falls and, and the, you know, cause they struggle with that too, especially growing up in an urban environment and, you know, being native kids, you know, it's tough for them. And, they loved reservation dogs. They identified with them as well. And it's just, you know, they, they just are, are so excited for me. And they're so excited to see, you know, native kids represented native youth. And, you know, I think it's that, that to me means the world to me that they're able to see themselves. You know. Yeah. 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 It's a, um, it's a game changer. It really is, you know, when you're you're young adult or youth even, and you're able to see these shows like that on TV, you know, I don't know if TV's like as strong as it was when I was growing up, because that's all we had. But still, you know, like I said, with social media too, like these like FX on Hulu is sharing like Sterling and Harjo's work, you know, and they're sharing these pictures of uh, Bear and Willie Jack and cheese and um oh what's uh what's it what's um ah oh, what's the other one's name cheese Willie Jack and Bear oh, and... um 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 Delora no wait oh it's Devry Jacobs but yeah, I forgot Devry the character Jacobs. name Alora um, Alora Dan Alora yeah Alora Dan and <laughs> yeah and then you know they're sharing like natives like on their page and stuff and it's getting like hundreds thousands of likes. You know, and they're seeing that it's like, man, like, you know, dang, this is this is wild. I don't know what I mean. If I seen that when I was a kid, I'd have been like, how how is this possible? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. how is any of this possible? But you know, I'm just so used to it now because I'm just kicking it with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an amazing, amazing few years, you know, and I just think it's gonna keep growing. I don't think it's a blip. I think that it's the beginning of a huge tsunami of native content. True. Yeah, it will be. It is. Yeah. And I'm happy that you're a part of it. And 
I can't wait to see where else you're going to go. And, you know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming and making time and whenever you, whenever you want, you know, come back on and talk about whatever you got coming up and, you know, we'll just, we'll just have a good time again. So thanks. Oh, thank you. Egwene, Migwitch, and, and I really appreciate everything you're doing, Russell. And thank you so much for having me. It's just been a pleasure and an honor and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, shout out where to follow you and keep up with you. Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me on Allison underscore Hudson underscore Hicks on Instagram or at um, Allison Hicks on Facebook. Heck yeah. Everybody go follow. Oh, and uh, IMDb. Oh, yeah. And IMDb as Allison Hudson Hicks. Awesome. So everybody go follow her. Um, check her out on IMDb and be on the lookout for upcoming projects and uh, secret TV show on Apple TV. And <laughs> and hopefully, you know, hopefully future um future future uh actor in reservation dogs. Yeah. And so yeah, 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 let's get you out here. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it for making time. And everybody go follow Okie Podcast if you haven't yet. Go subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, Audible, wherever I would say Google it or Google my name and it should come up. And check out the YouTube channel, Okie Podcast. Instagram is Okie Podcast One Word and Rustamus49 is my personal. And check out the website www.okiepodcast.com. And I believe that's it. So thank you, Allison, once again. And until next time, everybody. Peace. <laughs>